Welcome to the Dream Centre Manchester, where we trust the ministry of Pastor Tony Higginson and the team will challenge and inspire you to become the move and be the demonstration. We warmly invite you each Sunday morning to join us for our family service, but for more information or to subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at thedreamcentre.co.uk. Turn to Mark chapter 10. I just want to read this scripture to you because we left where we was last week at this place. Matthew, Mark 10, sorry. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, don't murder, do not commit adultery, don't steal, don't give false testimony, don't defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. I just love that verse. Jesus looked at him and loved him because he saw right beyond his need and looked at his lack. And he said, one thing you lack, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And this man, the, fell, the man face fell. I bet he did. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich? to enter the kingdom of heaven. Last week I showed you from the story of the, or the encounter, it's not a story, it's the encounter of Jesus with the woman at the well and how she approached Jesus thinking that it was Jesus who had a physical need and she had all the answers to his need. But when Jesus looked at her, he addressed the emotional psychological and relational lack that lived inside her. And it amazes me how perception can turn the whole thing upside down. Yeah? It can turn everything upside down when you have the right perception on an issue. And uh, often we find ourselves crying out to God. Hear me? Often, we find ourselves crying out to God, God, meet my needs. And really, we don't always know. We only ever pray with the immediate need in mind, but there are more things that you need beyond your immediate perception of your need. And Jesus looks right through you and and loves you and sees what you lack, not just what you need. Because if you met the need, you still have lack. Can you see that? You may have all your needs met, but still have lack. And Jesus' perception is holy. It's 100% clear. He's not, he's not thereabouts. He knows. When he sees, he knows. So he addresses this woman. And he addressed the lack that was in her. She lacked emotionally, relationally, psychologically. She'd had five relationships of marriage, and now she was with another man. And this life tells me that if Jesus hadn't have encountered this woman, there could have soon been seven and eight and nine. It could have just gone on until, you know, it runs its course. And when people get involved in the wrong things and, and lack begins to run their life, it, things just go on and on, and they go deeper and deeper and darker and darker until something is arrested inside, and that lack is readdressed and fixed. So you may have need this morning, but your need may not be your real need. And this is what we've been trying to help you to see, that you must be careful not to let your need delay God from releasing your lack. You must be very careful not to let your lack be the very thing that delays God meeting your needs. So another way around. 
Because you want him to meet you at one level. And God says, no, 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 if I give you this need, I can see what it can lead to. You're still not fixed, you're broke. And you'll always be broke until you're fixed. Think about it. Something's broke, it remains broke. You can love something, or love someone. I can love a toy as a child growing up. But it can be broke. But I still love it. I learn to cope. I learn to adapt. Yes? But my love for that toy means I will engage with it every day, but it's still broke until it can be fixed. And that's how many of us are. And God's kind, loving, and merciful to us, and he loves us, and, and he uses us according to what he can use us. Oh, so he uses us according to our ability, right? But he knows that there's so much more he could use us in if he could minister to our lack. Think about it. You know, if I said to the Lord, like, Lord, why don't I, we need another hundred people? God would say to me, but your lack is you don't know how to use them. So I want 100 people because you know, it makes, look, makes pastors look great. You can say, I've got 200. I haven't got anything. People are like water in your hand. Sometimes they're very difficult to hold. I can't understand pastors wanting big churches for the sake of wanting a big church. People are a pain. And the more people, the more pain. But if you've got a plan for the people and a purpose for the people, then people are an asset. And the asset is greater than the pain. People will always be a pain. But if we can move, remove the pain and deal with the lack in those areas, we can then they can become... Listen, when you receive the people that nobody wants, you become a church that everybody wants. It's true. So the lack has to be addressed within us. So... Let's keep in perspective. We, read, we started in our journey on this whole issue of need and lack from Matthew 6.31. You don't have to go to it. But here's the premise of why this is so important. I want to remind you and put it back on your radar again because we've travelled over a few weeks now. But this is never going to change. This is never going to change. You know why it's never going to change? Because it's in Scripture. It's written for our benefit. It will never change. God will never change his mind on this very issue. And I'll tell you why. Because he says, seek first. So when something's first, it's high priority. It's not a choice. It's not, well, we'll get around it. We might think about it. Is it a real? No, it's first. So when it's first, it's high priority in God's mind. So God began, uh, Jesus began to address his own disciples about what comes first in your life. And he used the pagans as a prime example. He's saying, look, there is the model and the pattern of stress. I'm going to teach you a new way, a new model, and it's called the law of first. Now, when you say first, how important do you think it is? It's first. It's above everything else. It's not second, it's not third, it's not fourth. It's not, well, we'll get around to it. It's make sure this is in place first. And Jesus had observed, not like he, he had to observe on the earth, he knew this before. He observed the pagan behavior and how they were chasing and worrying and stressing and fretting over temporal, earthly things. The same things that many of us have also stressed, fretted over. Be honest. When you have a house, you have bills to pay. When you have children, you have more bills to pay. True? So we know needs are a big part of our life. And Jesus wasn't saying, ignore the fact that you've got to have needs. He's saying, first, the law is first. Hello? First, what comes first? Because what comes first, take care of number two. And number three, and number four, and so on. So if you get the order wrong, you will build your life 
in confusion or on confusion. So it's very important that we get, we understand the significance of the law of first. You see this? So he says, guys, these guys are chasing after the wrong priorities of life. And at the end of the day, they will discover, just like that rich man, you can't take all this stuff with you. And half the stuff you think you need in life, you don't actually need. No, we all know that. But at the time it's taken away, we feel we've been robbed. It's the timing of that stuff that brings the pain. Because you can have stuff and you see, oh, it's been sat there for ages and you think, nah, I don't need it anymore. Right. But if I'd have said that six months ago, you might have put up a holy fight. It's all about the timing. So when God puts his finger on something, he says, you don't need that anymore. Nah, that's the issue. What you, and then you hold on to it and cling on to it. It's called, it. Now it comes under another law. You ready for this? It's called the law of attachment. It's attached to you and you're attached to it. And because you now operate by the law of attachment, you can't operate by the law of first. Because your attachment has now gone from a number four to a number one. Because your attachment comes with emotions. And sentimentality. And perception. Well, I might need it in the future. My grandfather had a whole cellar. I mean, it was a big house. And he had a cellar full of wood. He was 90. And my grandmother would say to him, Stanley, when are you going to get rid of this wood? I might need it. She says, you're 90 years of age. Well, one of the kids might need it. Yeah, he's building an ark. But he was convinced everything he needed, everything he needed was down there. And one day he might, one day. He never had a plan for it. His plan B, it was a plan B, one day I might need it. That's not a plan. That's called storage. Yeah, hoarding. So Jesus could see that they had physical needs and yet he was... Addressing a spiritual need ahead of the physical need. Well, you say, spiritual needs don't feed me. I beg to differ. Spiritual needs, spiritual food does feed you. It feeds you in different ways. Oh yes, the stomach needs tangible, physical food. But the spirit man needs feeding. Yeah? And he was, Jesus was seeing that the way these guys were living, he says, I do not want this for my children. This is how they live. This is how they function. This is not the pattern for you. And guess what? It's still not the pattern for you. So then he says, seek first the kingdom and its righteousness and all these things what things the things that you need the things that you think should be first are actually not first but they will be met according to his riches yes we do not we should not be found in this house striving over the same things your friends at work strive over well, a mortgage is a mortgage. Yes, but the man and the woman behind the mortgage is not the same. We know money talks. It normally says goodbye to me, but that's another thing. But money does talk. But listen, money will only reveal what's already in your heart. That's all money ever does. Money is just a, te- it's a, it's just a tool the Lord uses and the enemy uses to reveal what's inside of you. Nothing wrong with money. Nothing wrong with money. No such thing as bad money, good money. Money's just money. It's how you use it. Yeah? So, we've got to see that this is not the pattern. The pagan pattern is not the pattern for you and I. A pagan is somebody who's not a believer. The priority is on the kingdom and its righteousness. Because the kingdom is built on righteousness, peace, and justice. It's built on those things. They are the foundations of the very thing that is keeping us alive. The world is held by the kingdom of God. 
Yes, the kingdom, that the earth is alive because of the kingdom of God. Take the kingdom of God off the earth, the earth's gone. And the quicker you and I see that, the better our nation will be. God knows of the physical needs. God is not blind because then he goes on and he explains to them, look how your heavenly father has clothed the fields. Look how he takes care of the birds. Are you not more important than the birds, he says. Well, of course you are. Are you not more important than these? Solomon in all his splendor wasn't as glorious as this. And he's showing them a picture of how father can provide, has no problem providing when the law of first are in place. Birds don't pray, but God still looks after them. They sing and they tweet. Maybe that is their song. Because everything in creation must speak. Whether you can hear it or not, whether the frequencies are high or low, everything will pray, cry out to the Lord. But you don't see the animals fretting, striving, and stress. You don't see. When was the last time you saw an animal at the, at the shrink? Or the doctors taking tablets. Mr. Fox is sat there. Even Mr. Urban Fox doesn't, doesn't uh, stress anymore. He just runs across Ashnell Road. He goes right through the traffic. He doesn't, he doesn't use the Pelican Crossing. He just runs right across. But you don't see him stressed out. You don't see him in the chemist saying, can I have some tablets? I've got an headache. Why? Food's a bit short these days. Mr. Fox feeds on your rubbish. The things that you're not attached to. The things that you've discovered you don't not need. He now needs it. So God's created this cycle. Of what one man throws away, an animal can eat. Yeah? So, God has to find a way to address the internal lack within us. So human need often involves... We'll, we'll use it this way. Human need can often involve things around us. The physical, the temperate, you know, even though it's temporary, it's still physical. Yeah? And they're, they're external things. Now, we all have external needs. You might need a car to get to work. But you didn't need a Jaguar. You didn't need a Range Rover. You needed a car. Right? So let's just get... Luxury is luxury, needs is needs. And you spend according to your ability. Nothing wrong with a Jaguar, but if you've only got, if you only got, say, for instance, a Robin Reliant money. Some of you don't even know what I've just said then, but. Yeah, if you've got, yeah, a Del Boy vehicle, or you've got a Corsa, and I'm not minimising Corsas, but they are cheap to run for first-time insurers. You've got Corsa money, don't go and buy a Range Rover. Yeah. Lack is often seen, lack as opposed to need, lack can often be internal. It's an internal issue. Now it evolves, if it's internal, it now affects the emotions, the psychology, the spirituality of us, relationships, mental. It affects us in a far profound way. Because I can live Without, I can live, I've learned to live with a lot of things that other people say they can't live with, without. And I, I think I'm a, I'm a minimalist. I think I, I am a minimalist, I can't even say it. <laughs> Someone who lives on the minimum, the bare minimum. I don't need the Sky TV package. I don't need the latest technology. I need technology, but I don't need the latest technology. I don't need to be at the forefront of everything. I don't need to be ahead of the Joneses across the road. I've learned to live simple. Yeah? And I think that's not bad. Because I've realised when I was younger, I thought I needed all this stuff. But as I get older and develop, I realise I don't need half the stuff I thought I did. Yeah? So I've learned to be simple in that sense. And so... But where there's lack, I must pay attention. Because it's going to affect me on it's going to affect me in ways when I'm affected, then everything around me is now going to be affected. The external shouldn't really penetrate my walls. 
But if my walls have already been breached, everything, if there's confusion in, everything around me will also be in a state of confusion. So I have to learn to govern the internal, and that's where the lack is often found, in the internal dynamics of you and I. Yes? And this is, see, if we take the, the rich ruler, he had all the external sorted out. But it was the internal, he went away sad, now he's affected. Yes? We want to be like the rich young ruler, we want everything we need. No, that wasn't the answer. He said it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because he's, he often operates by the law of attachment. He didn't want to get rid of it. So we carry internal lack within us and it affects our decision making. It affects our judgments and our choices and our perceptions. And ultimately it clouds our perspective on everything. Now in the English speaking word, we know that the word need and lack can be used interchangeably. Yeah? Lack can be another way of expressing every need. True? So... We understand that we're not trying to confuse you here. What we're trying to say is that we know that those words can be used interchangeably. However, they're also standalone words. And they have a meaning and they have a significance and they have a weight within our life. And we really do need to try and understand this. Uh, and where there is lack, it must be addressed. At some point, it must be addressed. Because you will then become, you will find your function, is that right? Functionality, functionability, the way you function, will seriously be hindered or hampered according to those unaddressed issues. Pre- well, say, when Paul was speaking and preaching to the churches, this is what amazes me about the Apostle Paul. These are not just letters. These are far more than just letters because they address so much within them. These letters have so much. I don't really want to go into all that they they address, but I do want to address some of the things that he's addressing to help us. And this is the message that I need to speak before we get to a message, if that makes sense. And and I want to really just help you see what Paul was seeing. And hopefully you might see a resemblance. When Paul was speaking and writing to the churches, he saw by the Holy Spirit what the church needed and what it lacked. He could be, he could be hundreds of miles away, and yet, by the Spirit, he knew exactly what to address. So when he walked into the environment, Paul was not governed by hearsay. Paul was not governed by the confusion in this part of the church and the distortion in that part of the church. Paul knew exactly what needed to be addressed. And that's part of the the prophetic and the apostolic working together. It's also part of the leadership gift that if God's going to put a leader inside, inside of your life, the leader must be able to put his finger on those things that need to be addressed. You want him to help you supply your needs. Think about this. Very often congregations look to leaders to help them draw from heaven what they need. But the leader's job is to help and expose in a very careful way by the Spirit of God what you actually lack because what you lack will always hinder you from becoming what you are purposed in God to become. So you need leaders to help you deal in the area of your lack. I hope you're listening this morning. Because it's the lack that will always bring you down. It's amazing you can be strong, you can be gifted, you can be talented and some people will overlook you because of the lack. Not because of your strength. Because your lack can be far more damaging in some environments than your strength can be positive to them. And if you don't see what you lack, others will see. Because some people can read people very well. And when you can't read people, others can read you. Now, they're not always right. We know that. That's called the law of stabbing in the dark. 
But when you work and operate by the Spirit, you should get close to the mark. Now, we do get it wrong and we do get it right, but we should get it right more than we get it wrong. So, let me come back to this. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 13. (coughs) So, Paul is able to give specific instructions according to the needs and the lacks that he sees in the church and in the people. Because the needs sometimes in the church may be different than the lacks in certain people in the church. Don't forget, every church has needs, but certain certain individuals have lack. You understand that? So I'm going to speak, I'm going to come from an angle you think, well, this is a strange place to come, but just stay with me. I like, I said to Phil this morning, I like the way Paul writes. He says here in verse 11, finally, brothers, goodbye. (laughs) I love that, the way he says that. Finally, brothers, ah, goodbye. And then he says this, aim for perfection. Listen to my appeal. Be of one mind, live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints send their greetings. And then, to me, here's the slam dunk. You, it's easy to miss. It's very easy to miss because you think it's a farewell, parting, greeting. No, no, no. He says this deliberately, specifically. Why do I know that? Because everything written in the, in the, in the old and the new is written for our benefit. Paul did not waste his words. The Holy Spirit did not let his servants waste words. Every word is for our benefit. Every word in the Bible is for teaching, correcting, rebuking and training in righteousness. So Paul didn't throw this away as, as a, uh, it's just, I've got, I've, got two, I've got 15 seconds left on the MP3. I'll fill the space in. No, he didn't. He said this deliberately. And this is what he says. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with you all. He did not say it as just like, oh, the Lord sends you blessings. Hope to see you soon. Love, Paul. He left them with a deposit of what they needed. And I'm going to go into this in a second. You must read the letters very carefully. You must read why they're there. What is in man implying? What is he saying? Why is he saying it? What is he addressing? What do they lack? You've got to see this to catch what he's saying. Because when you read it, it may speak to you. It speaks to me when I read it. So in chapter 12 of the Corinthians, Paul has a discourse and he outlines the spiritual lack that he sees in the Corinthian people. Paul tells them that, I'm ready to visit you for the third time. And then he makes this amazing statement because he's concerned about what he knows, what he's seen and what he's heard. This is chapter 12. You don't have to go there. Just take my word for it. And he says this statement. It's going to be the third time I'm going to visit you. But some of you are not as strong as you ought to be. And some of you may not find me as you want me to be. Think about that. In other words, I'm coming as an apostle, I'm coming into the, in, into the church, he's known, he's respected, and he says, I'm coming to address some issues. I'm coming to address the lack that's, that's in you. Now, when I come, some of you are not in the place you should be. But some of you are thinking, oh good, Paul's coming, Uncle Paul's coming. But you may not find me in the place that you want me to be. In other words, I'm not coming just to put an arm around you. I'm coming to kick your backside to put you into place. Some of you will not find me as you would like me to be. And then he addresses, he says, because I may have to use the authority of God. And I won't spare those who are sinning. He says, read it. 
I won't spare those who have sinned previously to my last visit, and I will not spare those who are still living in sin. This is a strong apostolic letter he's addressing the Corinthians with. And only an apostle could go in and bring that thing to order. He realized that the very thing that Jesus said, make a first, had become not even a second, not a third, not a fourth. They were, the Corinthian people were involved in debauchery, sexuality, every kind of thing. And he had to address. Now behind those things, behind those things is lack. We involve ourselves and give our lives and our hearts to these things because we suffer emotionally, psychologically, mentally, physically, relationally. We suffer lack and we think that by doing these things they will appease us in our area of lack, but they don't. Hello? Paul says, I'm coming. So then he says this in chapter 13, and it's a good place for you. If you're going to build your life on seek first the kingdom and its righteousness, he then tells him to examine yourself. Examine yourself. And this examination of self will highlight the spiritual areas of need and lack within you. If you really do examine yourself. Now when you examine yourself, you don't look in the mirror. When you examine yourself, you might ask your partner, you might ask your pastor. Some of you might not want to risk that one. Ask your pastor. And, then, and first and foremost, go before the Holy Spirit and say, here I am, Lord. Show me. And only God knows if you really want to know the answer. The trouble is, many of us run to a pastor or a friend when you should be running to the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost is the one who speaks to you in all truth. And the Holy Ghost might speak something strong, but he loves us. He knows what's good for us. The next thing he says is, test yourself. First one's examine. Next, test. Put your faith to test. You know, coming to church is not a test. Listening to Phil speak is not a test. Phil said it's a trial. It's an education. Absolutely. Uh, You're not as bad as you say, Phil. This will, listen, when you test yourself, if you really will test yourself and have the guts to test yourself, it'll test whether you've got true sincerity to measure up to what you profess. Do you measure up to what you profess? Test yourself, your actions. Ask others, do I practice what I preach? And don't get ready to throw the kitchen sink at them when they answer. And then he says this, thirdly, and make sure you don't fail that test. (laughs) Examine, test, make sure you don't fail the test. He said, because we didn't fail the test. Paul says, I didn't fail the test. I hope I haven't failed the test in front of you, he says. Because we live by this conduct. We live by seek first. It's the law of the apostolic. It's the law of a disciple to seek first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness. Because in all these things, that's how God makes you. Yeah? So, and, and by testing and examining and making sure... You know what it actually does? It actually highlights whether you've got a healthy fear of God inside of you. If I don't fear God, I won't be quick to test and examine myself. But if I do fear God, I'll make sure I'm right with him. And I do have a healthy fear of God. And also, by testing and examining, here's a big thing, here's a big thing. It shows you whether you can live to the standards that have already been pl- that God has placed in front of you. So, if you're children, you live to the standard of your parents because your parents are the model. That's why you honour your parents. 
and it'll go well with you. God knows your parents have imperfection, but he still, he need, he still needs a model and a standard to, for you to follow. Now, as you get older, you might find some of the, those things are not good and you can learn to navigate, but initially, honour your parents. He always says honour your parents at all times. So if we're the believers, he then says, honour those who God has given to you. And because they have paid a price and they should have a model, they should have a standard that is acceptable that you can live to. If they are good godly men and women, they should have an acceptable standard of righteousness that you should be able to attain to. Right? And that's how God then gives a leader as the model and as a standard to address the lack and the need in the people. And that's how the people, he can lift them out of where they are and bring them to where he is. So that he can then turn and present them before the Lord. Yes? But in our culture, honour and respect is diminishing by the day. So when you come as a church, come into a church and the pastor, let's just say he's a creditable pastor, the trouble is society is so eroded away honour and respect that nobody wants to show a leader. Then we have the other side of the coin where leaders take, manipulate the people for doing that. God hopefully has not given you that kind of pastor. So therefore, you've seen my life now long enough, you know that I don't manipulate you. Went quiet then. <laughs> Manipulation is witchcraft. Manipulation is witchcraft. I'll just show you the consequences if you don't do what God says, not what I say. So then Paul gives him this instruction. And it's a good instruction for you to, for God to get his microscope on your lack. You know, there's two ways we can look at life. I should have brought it down. But if I had a magnifying glass, if I have a magnifying look at Paul from here, I can either bring him from there to here. And if I turn it the other way, depending on the magnifying glass, I can take him further away. Right? That's called perception in, in life. But every one of us has a magnifying glass on every situation. And I either turn it, I can bring it in and get clarity, or I can turn it away, depending on how I feel, and I can push it further away. But when God uses his magnifying glass, it's to, it's to zone in on your lack. So how are you going to run life? Are you going to run life by pushing things away? And can, are you going to distort things? Or are you truly going to get fine detail? That's what the examining does on your life. That's what the testing does. You know when you have a thorn in, in the side, in your hand here, the first thing you do is get that magnifying glass to see how deep the sucker's gone in. Splinter, sorry. True? Because you now want to analyse the thing that's causing you the most pain. I'm glad you, you, you know, acknowledge that. So he says, aim for, aim for perfection. This was his instruction. Listen to my appeal. Be of one mind. Live in peace. This was, in, this was Paul's instruction to them. Greet one another. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now there's a good place to start. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Which is the ability to pursue and allow the grace of God to perfect us in those areas that we sadly lack. It takes the grace of God. Yeah? Then he says, the love of God. I guarantee every member in this house will lack in these three areas. The grace of God. They will lack in the love of God. Not that the love of God or the grace of God has lack. I said, you will struggle and have lack in these areas. So the love of God. To know that your love accepted. And to then be able to transmit that love and acceptance to others. So many believers cannot go and transmit what they themselves have received. Because they never feel they've got enough of it. I never feel loved. I don't feel accepted. So therefore I can never give the full measure of God's love to me. Because I feel there's still a part of God's love I don't have. Can you not hear yourself? There's lack crying in the background there. 
There is no such thing as I need more of God's love. God gave it all. So your issue is lack. Not need. The grace of God was given out full. So when you lack, it's not the lack that God didn't pour out his fullness. There is lack from the fullness to you. There's a problem there. Why, Delilah? So we have the grace of God, the love of God, and then we have the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Wow, so many Christians do not know what it is to live with and by and under the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Wow. They don't have the intimacy built into their life. They don't have the, the yieldedness to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. This, these are three key issues that will expose your lack. The grace of God. The love of God. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. There are three things you need. Why? Because in those three things that God gives you for your needs, He will deal with your lack. Never stop feeding from the love of God. Never stop functioning from the grace of God. Never stop living without the fellowship of the Holy Ghost. You'll never know what the Father says to you if you don't have fellowship with the Holy Ghost. You'll never understand anything God has spoken without the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. You'll never love other people the way Christ loved them if you don't yourself have never received the full measure of God's love. You've got to sort this out inside of you. Once and for all, you've got to be able to go into environments where people don't love you and not feel that you're not loved. He loves us. Liked and loved the two different dimensions. You can go into an environment and not like... You know, sometimes I feel I'm not liked in here. But guess what? I don't go in a corner and cry. Come on. Some days you don't like what I say. Sometimes I don't, have to, I don't like what I have to say. Because I have to say it. You can serve a powerful God. You can be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And you can have received the, the love that so saved the world. And yet in your relationship and in your Christianity, you can be powerless. Think of that for a minute. If all of God's love was given to me, and I received it through faith, I got filled with the Spirit, and I received the baptism of the power of the Holy Ghost. Yeah? I got all this, and yet my Christianity seems powerless. Why is that? Test yourself. Examine yourself. Pass the test. That question alone should get alarm bells ringing. How come I've received the Holy Spirit, but my life seems powerless? Oi. Something's wrong. Something is very, very wrong. If your Christianity is powerless, then there's something wrong with your Christianity. There isn't something wrong with Christianity. There's something wrong or something lacking in your Christianity. This is why you need to test and examine yourself. Now, if you come to the point and you say, well, you know what? I acknowledge that there is great lack and need. That's a fantastic place to start. Because now the Holy Spirit can take you and lead you to the next level. He can lead you to some of the answers. He doesn't want to leave you there frustrated, but you do need to test yourself and examine yourself so that he can then take you to the next level. Because you shouldn't have a powerless Christianity. You're meant to be the most powerful person on the planet Earth. That's a lot of peas. But the truth is, for many of us, we're not. Now, there's a difference between feeling powerless at times and being powerless. That's a good statement right there. 
You know, I can walk into the middle of a war-torn nation. I can walk into South America or Africa or certain places and I can be overwhelmed by the need. I can feel powerless to change everything on that given day. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm not powerless, I'm powerful. I may have to go away and get the strategy of heaven. There is lack and need everywhere. But the first thing, there can't be any lack and need is in you. Because you're meant to be God's representative and you're meant to be the answer. And this is why we have to really sort out what's... It's not enough to keep listening to, to speakers. It's time to get the Holy Spirit on your case. Church, we've got to mature. We've got places to go, people to see, things to do in such a short space of time. And, and, and your lack will catch you out. Your lack will catch you out. So, often what we really need is a... Are you ready for this? I'm going to encourage you with this word. What you need... You're not going to like this. What you need is a good thorn in the flesh. Yeah. A good thorn in the flesh. I say a good thorn, not a bad thorn. When you're spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, relationally, you suffer with internal lack. This points to weaknesses that's inside of you. Yeah? When you have lack, it's because you have weakness in areas. Stay with me. And your weakness is something that needs to be covered. But it also is something that needs to be exposed. Now when God, see if, let's just say I'm a pagan and I see Phil, anyone, with weakness, I can manipulate him and expose him to my advantage in the marketplace. True? But if I'm a spiritual man and I see his need and lack, it's my job to overlook and not expose, to cover. Right? I might be able to help him. It depends on the position, the scenario, everything. I may be able to draw alongside him and help him and encourage him as a Christian. Right? But it's not my job to expose him. But so many people expose. So God's intention when he sees your weakness is not to expose you to everybody. God must first expose it to you through the Holy Spirit. Depending on your response to what he exposes, he will then move to the next level. Watch. He will then cover it with the garment of grace. This is why Paul prayed the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because you need the grace to cover what's been exposed and is weak. And God will use what's weak to bring holiness and glory through your weakness. I've just said a whole lot there. Paul told the Corinthians what they lacked. He said, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ so may, in other words, may the grace deal with this lack. May the grace cover, may the grace expose it and cover it. But listen, watch, expose. Everybody look at me. Expose, deal, and cover. Expose, deal with it, and cover it. Nobody wants, God does not expose it to say, look at you, look at you. God exposes it to, to address the issue. Yeah. And when he addresses the issue and he sees your response of moving towards what is exposed, he can then deal with it. And when he deals with it, he then covers it with grace. So you still may be weak in that area, but at least this time you don't move from lack. There are low, listen, there will always be areas in your life where you're weak. Weak does not mean to say you not, haven't necessarily got it all together. Because you've got weaknesses and strengths, don't forget. But weakness, God likes to deal with weakness. Paul realised this. Spiritually speaking now. Now, 
We've gone through in, in the ADT, we've been talking about strengths, weaknesses, and things like that. But this, what I'm talking about, is not what I've talked to you guys in ADT about. I want you to come to where I am now. See it through what Paul's saying. Not what I was teaching in there, because what I was teaching there was a different context. Okay? Paul, only Paul could write this stuff. Paul knew that the grace had to clothe weakness. He says, to keep me from 2 Corinthians 12, 7, to keep me from becoming conceited because of this surpassing great revelation. So God was giving Paul something that Paul had never had and he was giving him a revelation that would surpass him and would absolutely bamboozle every religious leader. And he says, to keep me from being conceited because of this surpassing great revelation. Now that word there means exceptional. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. It means outstanding. Striking. Rare. Great. Incomparable. Unsurpassed. And matchless. You kind of get the feeling that the boy's getting something that no one's ever had. How many of you would like to live from that revelation? Well, you can. Through the Holy Spirit. This is why Paul says, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. You need to have the fellowship of the Holy Spirit so you can tap into what he's tapped into. Yes? So he says... To keep me from becoming conceited because of those unsurpassing great revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Watch, watch what this thorn produces. For my, sorry, look. The message of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. So now his battle's internal. Yes? But he said to me, my grace, my Grace is sufficient for you. But none of us want to live with weakness. None of us want weakness. We all want to be strong. And we all want God to deal and put a deal with our lives so we're all strong. But Paul says, no, there's something beautiful and majestic about your weakness that draws me to you. For my, uh, then he says this. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Whose weakness? Whose weakness is it? His, your weakness and his power overshadows, covers your weakness. Anyone got any weaknesses in here? Anyone got a witness in here? A witness to witness your weakness. Therefore, listen, listen, listen to what God's done. Therefore, I will boast. Not complain, not moan, not whinge, not stamp my feet and saying this isn't, the, you know, just confess it and it'll all come good. This isn't the faith speaker speaking now, this is the apostle. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Whose weakness? Your weakness. Whose weakness? Your weakness. God's power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness. In other words, I, in my weakness, there is lack. There's lack in my weakness. But my lack doesn't have to take me down. Why? Because it's been exposed and dealt with. Hello? I can have lack. And the lack not hinder me. Why? Because it's covered. Because it's been dealt with and exposed. And because it's been dealt with and exposed, it's covered. And God can minister and you can minister from the area of lack when the, area, when the power of grace is upon that lack. Can you see this? You with lack and not being addressed, 
different. But once it's been exposed and you allow God to deal with it, the grace covers it and God deals with you in the area of your weakness and his glory shines through. So that's why when he's weak, he's actually the strongest. Why? Because I'm not hiding it. I'm not hiding my weakness no more, Lord. I'm actually glorying it. I'm realizing this is the very thing God is using to bring me through. It's not your strength. It's your weakness that God's coming for. And God's coming through the area of your lack because your lack exposes your weakness. And your weakness exposes your lack. But sometimes, folks, all we need is a thorn. And it's not your wife. And it's not your husband. And it's not your boss. This is why. He says this, I boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. When the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is sweet, the power of God and the grace of God can rest on your sweet. Only then, my friend, does your lack become a sweet-smelling aroma before the Lord. This is good. In fact, I'd buy the MP3 if I were you. We're not, we're not stating physical weakness here. We're talking internal. Let's use another word. Maybe some of us may be familiar with inadequacies. I have certain inadequacies. Have you got any inadequacies? I wish I was so much more for you people. I wish I could be so much more. I wish the grace in my life was fantastic, and it is fantastic, but you know what, from the, the point of more I'm saying that. I wish I could give you the revelations that Paul had. But guess what? That's my weakness. And you know, in my weakness, I have to get before the Lord and say, Lord, give me more. Give me more, Lord. Develop it in me, Lord. Work it in me. And I say, Lord, sometimes I can't do this. It's getting hard to do ADT, keep fresh, and keep fresh on a Sunday, lead worship, do the other things, blah, 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 God says. And I say, Lord, it's too heavy. God says, but you cried out for it. (laughs) Yeah, but you made me. (laughs) And God says, you cried out for it, son, and you've got the capacity, but my grace is sufficient for you. So then the man says this, well, then show me the ways of grace. But see, you don't want struggle in your life. You're not built for struggle, but you're going to have it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's in the struggle that you're built. Yeah. So you've got a weakness. Big deal. But if you don't let the Holy Spirit, and you don't let leaders and good people come around, you'll always have a weakness. Why? And you'll always try to keep it from being exposed. But it's been seen. It's already been seen. You just don't think they know. There are some weaknesses in you. Let me clarify this and we'll finish. There are some weaknesses inside you, Nimrod, in you, Lisa, in you, Chris, Irene, that you cannot afford not to deal with. Because if you don't deal with certain weaknesses, they'll be the undoing. But there'll always be weaknesses equally that you'll have. And as long as you're honest and sincere before the Lord and try to move in those areas, the grace of God can cover. The grace of God. Do you remember when we talked about God's tailor, the garments? This is one of the garments that God gives to cover your weakness. The grace of God covers the weakness so that God's glory can see. And this is why Paul realized the revelation was, actually, I can boast about my weakness because I, because I know inside myself I have no way of doing what I'm doing. And God, and, he, and, and that's why, he, he, first of all, he whinged and he moaned and he pleaded with the Lord. But once God's mind was made up on it, Paul learned to embrace it. And then it became one in him. Then he began to glory in it and say, Lord, I can't believe you're using a dipstick like me. And God says, yeah, it's true. And others like you. There are some weaknesses that are inherent in all of us. Yeah. Ask your wife, she'll tell you. These, there are some areas in my life that's not a grace and it's not a strength. 
Carol will tell you. And anybody who knows me will tell, you know, will tell you. Phil reminds me every now and then. This ain't your grace. No, it does it rightly. This is not your grace. This is not your strength. Keep out. Don't go in there. It's not for you. You know what? I don't get touchy. I just say you're wrong, Phil. It's okay. <laughs> it's true. There's some areas I need to keep out of. It's not my area. Let others, let the grace of others be your portion. Draw from it. That's why you cannot look to be a, you cannot look to your pastor to supply everything you need, because there are areas that's not his grace. You have to look to the Lord. I'm always going to take you back to the Lord. You come to me, I'm going to take you back to the one who made you. Listen, all I can do, watch this. This is dead simple counseling. Ready? It's going to help you. I can't fix you. I can only encourage you to get fixed. I am not the fixer. God tells me to tell you what he's already told me. And is what he's telling you. You know, when people see the pastor as the fixer, guess what? The pastor is a, is, then becomes the be-all and end-all to everybody. I can't let that happen to my life because I don't want to disappoint you. And I don't want you to have the wrong expectations of me. God. God. And only God. In the midst of your weakness, your weakness and lack will feel like a thorn. And you were like, oh Lord, take this away from me. Why can't I be like Pastor? Or why can't I be like Phil? Because you're not. There's only one Superman. There's only one Batman. And there's only one Robin. We'll leave Robin out of it. (laughs) We can be marvels, all of us. Seriously. Your thorn in the flesh, you want God to take it out. Hello? You want God to take your thorn in the flesh out. Now, there's a difference between a thorn, naturally a thorn, a thorn left in order, you know, uh, splinter, sorry, will eventually create, it'll go septic. But some, this is not the same. When God puts a thorn and allows a thorn, your, your weakness to, on the surface, to, to weaken you and cause you pain, it's so that you rely more on God, you press into his grace, and when you stand up there, you stand up a sincere person and say, you know what, I, re- I am realising that it's the grace of God and not my character, not my gifting that's got me here. And the moment you function by your grace, so by your gifting and your character, right, they'll only take you so far. The grace of God has to, you have to get, you, seriously church, you have to get a revelation of God's grace on your life. And realize how you have to press into the grace. And, and, and so you, there's more capacity inside of you. But the grace enlarges you. You cannot function without the grace. Now there is saving grace. And then there is empowering grace. This is what we need. Now I don't want to become your thorn in the flesh. But to some I might be. But guess what? It's good for you. If I am, it's good for you. Why? Because I'm not come to cause you harm. Let's stand to our feet. I've come to help you come to the next level. And the grace of God is so powerful. I trust this message is really beginning to soak deep into your spirit. Three times I've pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. How many times? One Father, one for the Holy Ghost, one for Jesus. All three of them in agreement said, no. (laughs) Why? This is why the very man prayed, what you need is the love of God. Come on, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. When you've got those three things functioning in your life, the grace of God will explode over your life. Now you and I have got a lot of work to do. Your prayer, starting from today, should be, Lord, teach me what Paul teaches us. Paul prayed, may the love of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon you.
Why? Because Paul knew the worth of what he just said. And it's so easy to, when you read that, to see it as it was just uh, just a simple parting phrase. No, 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 no. This was the very thing that defined Paul. The grace. To work through the thorn of the flesh and let the grace come to its prominence. Every one of you in here has got a thorn. Every one of you in here has got weakness. And every one of us tries to run away from it. Turn around and say, okay, Lord. Deal with me in this area. And let the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and the love of God be upon us. Amen? Amen. Raise those holy hands if you will. (laughs) Father, Lord, there's such a weight and a depth to what you have just spoken to our hearts. Father, I pray that you will expose lack in this house, in every individual. And I pray, oh God, for the, your people, Lord, to stand still and let you deal with them in that area of lack. And then, Father, I know that you, as, God, as our tailor, will come and cover us. And you will, and the grace of God will overshadow us. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit will be made sweet in that area. I pray, hold on to this word, church. Hold on to this word. So when we switch off in a minute, don't go back to default. Hold this word. It's a new position, what's come to you today, to bring you to a new level. Don't have conversations as normal and go back to what you've just, like you've just dismissed this word. Hold it on. Hold it in your life. And say, Father, you have to deal with me in some issues. Remember, don't let your lack delay God from releasing you, releasing your needs to you. Let the Holy Spirit, we've sang, we've worshipped, we've welcomed the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit this morning. Don't close your mind now and your heart at this stage. Let the Holy Spirit have his way. And let the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be pleasing in this house. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a standing ovation.